Las Vegas has always been a city where tipping is a huge part of our culture, but has it gotten to be a little too much? We're getting asked to tip in more and more places and with higher and higher percentage requests. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk about tipping with writer and longtime service worker Brittany Bronson. She talks about how working in a tipped industry can change someone's life, but how it also comes with a whole lot of problems. So, should Vegas get rid of tipping? It's Wednesday, July 26th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Brittany Bronson, welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. Good to be here again. Thanks for having me. Well, today we're going to talk about something that's on a lot of people's minds, tipping. Brittany, tell us about your main experiences as a tipped employee here in Las Vegas. Sure. Well, I worked in the service industry um, for eight years in Las Vegas. I worked in like a high volume fine dining establishment for three years. Then I switched over to casino industry and I worked as a cocktail server in different areas of the casino. I worked in cocktail servers um, in a lounge, at the pool, and then also on the floor. And I really have been a tip worker for the majority of my working life. Tipping for me is something that it really did change, change my life in terms of these jobs that I had in Las Vegas provided a, a level of income that I wasn't able to access. And other industries and gave me a lot of, you know, mobility and be able to do a lot of uh, different things as a result of having a tip job here in the hospitality capital of the world. Yeah. And right now, though, there there seems to be some real pushback against tipping altogether. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's just because of customers feeling this tipping fatigue where they're getting asked so much. I have also heard arguments that some people believe tipping is bad for workers. Mm -hmm. Is that even possible? Sure. I think like anything, it's a very nuanced and complex issue that we should be having more conversations about because we're talking about people's income. We're talking about their livelihood. There's millions and millions of service industry workers in the United States, most of whom I would say are underpaid or struggling. And so when we're talking about the tip creep, right? That now every single place that you go, it seems like someone is saying, hey, this POS is going to ask you a really quick question before you sign your, sign your bill. Yeah, right? So subtle, so subtle. Yeah, that, that is, it is becoming a bigger thing that we should be talking about, right? When to tip, when not to tip. What does tipping bring to our society? What problems does it create? So wh- what are some of the, the deeper problems then? Well, the biggest thing is when you talk about stability for a worker. If a worker's income is reliant on a guest's decision, whether the guest feels like doing something or not, or the customer feels like doing something, that can create really drastic instability for a worker, where their income level is drastically changing from day to day, from week to week, from month to month. That creates a lot of problems when you could talk about economic mobility, right? The ability to plan, the ability to save, the ability to maybe go from one socioeconomic class to the next and start investing or, you know, having more options with how you earn money, right? Second, you have issues of 
discrimination. We have discrimination, gender, race, ethnicity, because dining in particular service industry can be very cultural, right? I mean, there are so many studies that show Black and brown workers are being discriminated against in tips. And also, you know, POC who are dining out are being discriminated against by servers who feel like, oh, they will or will not tip me a certain amount. So it's going oh, both ways, right? Yeah. And let's, let's pause on that for a second. I mean, that's a really intriguing statement. So on the one hand, you're suggesting that, you know, maybe uh, people of color who are servers statistically get lower tips, but then also customers of color uh, get a different sort of attitude from their servers because of racial biases? Yes. I mean, wow. I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, I'm also wondering about, you know, the kind of power dynamics that tipping creates between customers and service workers. I mean, can you speak to that? Yeah. So like harassment and exploitation are are huge. It's something that I feel um, women and women of color particularly experience in a place like Las Vegas that, you know, likes to leverage sexuality um, as a part of its branding, as a part of its allure. And that was the most like consistent downside of tipping that I experienced as a cocktail server on the strip was just consistent sexual harassment, right? Um, one of my first jobs that I was hired in Las Vegas was not on the strip. It was at a you know, a small business restaurant. And I came in for training and I felt like I really shined in my answers to the question. And the owner of the restaurant basically told me he wanted to hire me on as a manager. I worked for two weeks. Then he tried to kiss me in his office and I literally ran out, never looked back. I was so horrified by the moment. I didn't even get paid for the two weeks of jobs, right? Like, so there's that whole side of it that happens. The most consistent sort of, you know, discomfort that I felt was in interactions with guests who maybe were saying inappropriate things. Um, I mean, it happened all the time. It sort of becomes white noise in, in a way because it's so frequent. But one that I remember in particular is a guest that we had who was a local in a casino. He came and played quite regularly and he would sort of take his time when tipping the cocktail servers, like really slowly pull money out of his wallet after you delivered a drink just to sort of strike up conversation. And I remember one time he, you know, handed me the money and he's like, think about me when you're in the shower, you know, just what? really Ugh. nasty things. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the employee dining room like a week or so later, and I heard a coworker a couple tables behind me talking about the same guest and saying, you know, I know this is a part of the job, but I wish there is something that we could do about this. Like, it's so annoying to have to deal with this night after night after night. And so that that phrase, part of the job, this is a part of the job. I do think a lot of people in the industry believe that to be true, which does concern me, right? This is not a part of the job. You do not have to agree to people saying inappropriate things to you, to touching you in an inappropriate way when you're at work. That's not a part of the job. And so I think that's a narrative that's very popular among service industry workers in my experience in Las Vegas that I hope we eventually dismiss entirely. Yeah. And just listening to that, you know, that, that horrific account, I, I can't help but think that it is exacerbated just because all that is entwined with this reliance on tips. 
And I, I'd imagine that just complicates the calculus of how you can live your life when, you know, all this is swirling around the fact that if you don't get those tips, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. Right. I felt like there was so many interactions where I was sort of doing this little cost benefit analysis in my head um, when interacting with the guest. Like, is this a uh, a high roller? Is this someone who probably, you know, it's going to be a low tip anyway? Is this someone that I feel like, like, can I speak up and defend myself in this moment? Or do I just sort of need to take it? Like I was doing that sort of like calculation very frequently when it came to this particular issue. Then I do also think sometimes you just sort of become numb to it too. You get so used to it that that sort of part of the job, again, narrative yeah. which isn't true, but you, you start to believe it a little bit. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Well, I mean, with all these problems circulating around, you know, the fact that you are relying on tipping, I mean, straight up, Brittany, do you think we should maybe think about getting rid of tipping in Vegas altogether? I don't even know. I cannot answer that confidently, yes or no, either way. I think for me, getting rid of tipping entirely without a replacement that maintains what workers are getting from this these jobs, right, as a result of tips is an insufficient solution. But I cannot compare my role as a Las Vegas cocktail server in one of the, you know, highest average room rate casinos in like to a woman working in Applebee's in Alabama. Like I cannot compare that, even though we technically are food service workers, right? So I don't think this like let's just ban tipping and call that a solution makes sense for an industry that's incredibly complex. It's not a simple answer, but I'm open to it, but I'm not convinced of it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, it definitely is an interesting conversation, but as long as we do have tipping, let's talk about it. I I mean, Brittany, what are some, I don't know, basic rules about tipping here in Las Vegas? Well, I think that if I could, you know, want to advocate for obviously this, industry that has brought so much to my life and my own like ability to accomplish the things that I've wanted to accomplish um, and jobs that ultimately do drastically change people's lives, move people, you know, into the middle class and to secure reliable, like lucrative jobs. 
that they might not have because they don't necessarily have a college education, that they might not have because they're immigrant and they don't have a certain level of language fluency for other positions, right? I mean, there's so many different types of people who are doing this work. And a lot of them come to the work because of the tipping um, culture and the tipping benefit. So I don't know if I can generally say like when or when you shouldn't tip or when you should tip this much or not as much as certain things that you should think about. If you're someone who feels like I want to be a good tipper, but I also don't have like endless discretionary income to not be thinking very carefully about the money that I spend. I think there's like certain things that you can think about. I think the first thing that I would say is time. How much time did you spend with this worker or how much of their time did they have to spend on you for your experience? Whether it's you stood there for five minutes on Fremont Street and watched a little act or whether it is you sat at a cabana at a pool for 10 hours and had the same server taking care of you, whether it's you, you know, went through a quick food service line and it took only five minutes, or you're in a fine dining establishment where you sat with this worker for three or four hours, right? How much time did you take? Because you have to remember that if you're taking up the worker's time, that means they're not giving their time to someone else, right? And the more time that you take, the more reliant they are on you (laughs) to make or break their night. So I think that's something that you can think about, like time. I think the second thing that you can think about is, you know, what kind of tasks or like, I mean, to put it in a more snarky way, how obnoxious am I being or how obnoxious (laughs) was I, right? Like, did I try to make my requests really brief and very clear with this server? Or was I sort of distracted the entire time and making it difficult for them to communicate with me or, you know, asking for ketchup and then they come back and I ask for ranch and then they come back and I ask for honey mustard, right? Just the little things like that we can think about, like what kind of guest am I being or customer am I being in this situation? Um, And having that sort of moment of of self-reflection. Yeah. Although I'm wondering if like there's a downside to that too, is like if, if a guest thinks that that's a good standard that they're like, okay, well, I have a license to be super obnoxious because I'm going to give a better tip. You might've seen that too, huh? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's totally true. (laughs) Um, And then I think also third is like just remembering that just because you give a tip to a particular worker doesn't mean that they're getting the entirety of that tip, right? Every single establishment, every restaurant, every spa, every casino has different policies around tipping. And the majority of the time in most of the service industry positions I've had, I am sharing my tip in some way, in some degree. So I think that's another thing to think about if maybe you do have a bad experience with a, with a service worker, which yes, happens. It totally happens. Like I'm not out here saying that every service worker is giving 100% all the time, right? But just realize that maybe, you know, you can think about other things that did go well throughout your experience. Maybe your drink was really tasty. The garnish looked really beautiful on your cocktail, right? That that was a bartender who took the time to do that. And they are most likely a part of the tip share. So I think those are just additional things that people can think about versus either, oh, 15, 18, 20, right? It's one of these things, which is some sense what we default to. Right, because that's the standard that most people in America are used to is that exactly what you said, 15, 18, 20% of of the check, which is interesting. And- 
You know, you got me thinking about so many different things there, Brittany, here in Las Vegas, especially like the idea of, you know, having to tip out everyone. I want to list a few other examples. Maybe tell me what you think would be an appropriate tip, just generically speaking. So uh, valet parking specifically. I mean, some places it's free, some places they charge. What what do you think an appropriate tip would be to have someone park your car in a Las Vegas casino? So I am just going to caveat this by saying I err on the side of generosity because I've been in these roles. So there's sort of like a personal attachment for me. But mm-hmm. I think 2 to $5 is like a good tip for valet. Okay. And and they do have a quick turnover, you know, and your mm-hmm. interaction with them is somewhat um, limited. Correct. Um, right. Let's, let's talk about gambling a little bit. And I don't know if you're a gambler, or, uh, but someone who's been out on the floor, you see it. Let's go with... Uh, table games like blackjack Mm -hmm. i am a a gambler (laughs) and so for me like i like to tip while i am playing and while i'm engaging with the table games dealers um i like to sometimes play bets for the dealers so that they can have fun as well like there's you know it's not just hey you have to tip at the end when you leave there's other times or moments maybe you you know you double down and you hit (laughs) you get the ace right so you get a bigger payout. Maybe that's an appropriate time to toss a dollar to your dealer. I think there's a lot of opportunities there. But again, I think time is a big thing there. Like, did you sit at the table for like 10 minutes or did you sit there for a couple hours and you're right now the worker is more reliant on you, right, as a part of their income than they were if you just stopped for five minutes and now the seat is open. I think thinking about what's my increment, what's my minimum bet? What am I betting every single time? Like, I think that's a good number. Like, I would like to tip this person at least one minimum bet, right? In my time at this table. Sure. And we'll give you one last example. And this one might be the most controversial in the, in the gambling world, but for slot jackpots, because here in Las Vegas, we have a threshold where if someone hits a $1,200 or more slot jackpot, it's called a hand pay, for those who mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, and that means that there are casino workers who have to come over, uh, sort of handle uh, financial documents and things of that nature, and then you know hand it off to you. Notoriously, when people get really big jackpots, if they don't, quote unquote, tip enough, they get trolled out there in the social medias oh, and stuff. Absolutely. So <laughs> is, there, is there maybe a standard with slot jackpots? Oh, this is so tough. I don't know if there... I'm more familiar with like um, video poker. What's like a traditional slot play? Like 1500 might be like the most basic low jackpot, Right. I think a fifty to a hundred dollar tip in that situation would be very generous, and I, like I think a slot attendant would be happy with some range in between there. Yeah, and I'd imagine also if you're constantly hitting smaller jackpots and they know that you're going up and down, et cetera, as long as you're steadily right. giving them, so cumulatively they're coming away with what would be a uh, a considerate tip, if that makes sense, like one that acknowledges their work for you. That that probably makes sense too. Yeah. And you have to remember sometimes the labor is invisible and you're not seeing it, right? You're not seeing how that slot attendant is like making sure your favorite machine is like working. And like, you know, I I don't know, there's a lot that goes into these jobs that I just think people don't think about maybe because they've never been in the role, right? They're not really imagining like all the various tasks that it makes to create a successful experience. Yeah, uh, that's think- a that's a really good point, Brittany, because I, I think the point of casinos is to make certain tasks invisible to the consumer, to the customer. Right. And, you know, not acknowledging that does seem to be a little callous on the part of the uh, of the tipper. 
Yeah. And now I'm horrified realizing that I totally left out housekeeping in the discussion of like people who rely on tips and who are so easily forgotten in terms of like gratuity, gratuity, right? Like housekeeping does so much invisible work. Like when you come back to your room and it's beautiful and it's fresh and like you've had a hot day out in the sun and you get to come back to this clean, organized room, that's completely invisible labor, right? And how much would you leave a housekeeper after a one or two night stay at a casino? Oh my gosh. Again, like how I don't like stay overnight in casinos because I could never afford it. (laughs) But like when I go to a Marriott or a Hilton, right, like on vacation, I try to leave like for a weekend, a $10 to $20 tip for my housekeeper. I think that if you're staying in a really high end suite or a room, I really believe that you should, I would expect more. Um, But I think it would depend on your room rate, right? Like how big is the room? Like, is this a suite where like they're cleaning the kitchen as well as like making the bed and doing all these other things? I think, again, like, It's just people don't let them always aren't thinking about that, right? They're not thinking about like all of the additional tasks um, that might be going on. Well, let's, let's imagine for a minute that Vegas does get rid of the tips. And I think we alluded Mm -hmm. to this before, but what do you think the ideal post tip Vegas future would look like? Oh, it's hard to imagine, right? It's certainly hard to imagine as a service industry worker. And I think it's um, the alternative would have to be very enticing. Now, I do want to preface this by saying that the unions have done amazing work to create jobs that have reliable wages, that have higher hourly wages than the federal minimum, than other states where there's tipped minimum wage, right, where servers aren't even making a full minimum wage. It would have to be a higher hourly wage that can be somewhat comparable for what people are making with gratuity, right? For me, because I worked in higher end casinos, my gratuity was, you know, four fifths of my income about, and my hourly wage was about one fifth. So if you take away my tips, for me personally, you take away my entire desire to be in this job. I know that there are restaurants who have implemented this, like in New York and some places that have eliminated tipping and now do maybe like a $30 an hour wage or like a $40 an hour wage. Um, but then if you do decide to do that, then you have to ask yourself what small businesses, smaller restaurants, you know, the restaurants that we love locally are not going to be able to survive. The casinos, they'll be just fine. Let's be honest. They're going to be fine. But but our small businesses, the restaurants that we love to frequent as locals, a lot of them would not be able to sustain those types of wages. I think a creative alternative for me that I always have found like a good possibility is doing like an automatic gratuity that a restaurant establishment, a bar, whatever can say, hey, this is the level of service that we expect. We expect you to give five star service. We expect you to give 18% gratuity service. And that's an autograph. If the customer or guest feels like they didn't get that service, they can take it up with management and management can have that conversation where every single time an upset guest or a guest with bad intentions or a guest with a really valid reason to be angry, then the worker, it's not being taken out on the worker, right? Um, So that's a solution that I'm curious about that I feel could be maybe more enticing to the service workers who are going to be very resistant to the idea of eliminating tipping. So provocative and so interesting. Really great tips about tipping. Brittany Bronson, thanks again for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks for having me, David. 
Before you go, a little news. As temperatures persist in the 110s, an attorney for the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada, speaking to Channel 3, recommends immediately documenting any communication to a landlord in writing if the AC goes out. Typically, landlords must make repairs within 48 hours, not including weekends. Depending on the circumstances, you may have the right to repair it yourself and charge the landlord or even possibly withhold rent if your landlord doesn't act. Also, if you listened to our episode on the surprisingly good prospects of Brightline West, the high-speed train between Vegas and L.A., you might remember that one of the biggest remaining roadblocks was an environmental review for the 49-mile extension from Victorville to Rancho Cucamonga. Well, as of this month, the Federal Railroad Administration has given their stamp of approval. Brightline is still waiting to hear back from the government on a big funding request. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. So how much do you tip and to whom? Let us know on social media at CityCast Vegas or give us a call at 702-514-0719. If enough of you contribute, who knows? Maybe we'll be on our way to figuring out what's standard in our community. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter. Good stuff there. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Any celebrity stories you want to share? (laughs) Well, one that's very famous on Twitter is Rudy Giuliani totally stiffed me when I served him in Las Vegas. Um, This was like during the height of a a Republican primary season um, in 2016. And Oh, I was all over Twitter on that after I finished that job. And now it's so funny because whenever Rudy Giuliani comes back in the news, like that tweet that I tweeted, like starts to get more likes that like resurfaces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whenever he, he even probably comes back to Las Vegas, it's sort of like a Amber Alert. Like yeah. Rudy's coming. <laughs> he's not going to tip you. <laughs>